Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey everyone, it's Drew Manning, founder of Fit to Fat to Fit. Hey, this is Dave Burkus, author of the new book, Friend of a Friend. Hey, this is Amy Jo Martin from the Why Not Now podcast. And if you want to learn how to maintain a healthy lifestyle and fitness in your relationship. And if you want to learn a better way to network, strengthened by science. And if you want to strengthen your relationships. You should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast. The Build Your Network podcast. Build Your Network. With my good friend, Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. This is the Build Your Network podcast. And this is a topic that I think that you'll probably have a lot to say about just because of what you did, because of the extreme that you went to in order to better help the clients that you have, you were able to get on some really big publications, some TV shows, all that kind of stuff. Can you talk about how networking with the right people helps you land shows, spots, stuff like that, but also how mm-hmm. leveraging those brands and other people's influence allowed you to be able to create the business that you have today? Yeah, that's a great question. So just so everyone knows, you know, Fit to Fight to Fit started seven years ago and it's come in waves and different phases of networking and growing. So for example, when my story went viral, a lot of it was luck, but I did put in the work to create press releases and reach out to producers and try and contact people and say, Hey, would you be interested in interviewing me? So I put in the work and then from there it grew organically from the local news here in Utah to other bloggers over the world to all of a sudden Yahoo 
com picked it up. And then from there, TV shows started calling. And then from there, getting to know certain producers and being invited to shows like The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, which is the first show I went on, Dr. Drew, Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, The View. I can't say so much that that was because of my effort. It was more so technology, social media, the word spreading that way. But then that was the first phase of how I got like the book deal and how my brand grew. From there, I got to know some production team in LA to create a TV show got to know some people in the TV industry. And from there, been able to network and do some cool podcasts, do some cool collaborations with other celebrities that have sometimes have nothing to do with health and fitness, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's just networking has to be nonstop. Like it really does have to be nonstop. It's not like, it's kind of like fitness. It's not like all of a sudden, hey, I've arrived, I'm done. I don't need to network anymore. Right. Networking is nonstop to continue to grow your brand. Because here we are seven years later, my brand is way more powerful than it ever was, even when I was doing all those TV shows. And that's from a consistent effort in networking, going to mastermind events, doing speaking engagements as many as I can, doing podcasts as many as I can, and growing my audience this way and being open to new things where before I'd be like, oh, I'm too busy or no, I'm not getting paid to do that. So I'm not going to do it. And so for me, I've just stayed consistent and hustling in that sense of networking with as many people as possible. And you never know where that's going to land you or who's going to have that connection to you know, connect the dots with some of that you've never imagined you exactly. know, that you would meet. That's the point right there though, is that this is why I feel that most people don't do this. Most people don't spend time on this. And if they do, it's a very, very minimal amount. Most people don't spend money on this kind of stuff because it is mm-hmm. the unknown, because of exactly what you just said. You never know. So because you never know, people can't look at it and be like, here's the definite result that I'm going to get from this. Right? Here's the ROI on this money that I'm going to spend on this mastermind weekend. Here's the ROI on this event that I'm going to go to and take time away from my business to go to. They don't see that. It is the not known that prevents them from being able to do it. And the thing that I always tell those people is like, look, trust me, just do it like one time. Like, Go out and do it. Do it. Just take one year where you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to put a bunch of time. I'm going to take dedicated time away from my business, dedicated money from my budget, and put it towards networking and building relationships. Experience the power of that one time. You'll never go back. Because like you said, you never know. But it's always something bigger than I think. Typically, I shouldn't use an absolute and say always, but typically it's something where it's like, man, if I can get this one thing, I might be able to do this. And then, like, something way bigger than that comes up. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? But it's because I took the time and dedicated time on purpose to continuously be evolving relationships with people because that's the bottom line is no matter what business you're in, you're in the people business. And the more people yeah. that you know, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. And as long as you do it from a, a place of being really genuine and actually caring about people. Yeah, that's a good point. So this is a question I ask every single guest that comes on the show, Drew. I'm curious to hear your answer. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? I would say who you know, because the knowledge can be obtained later on. The what, right? What you know. And here's the thing. Nobody cares how much you know anyways until they know how much you care. That's something I live by with fit to fit to fit. You could have all the knowledge in the world, but that doesn't mean people are going to come to you and follow your message. Right. More so who you know. And if you don't have the knowledge yet, it's the people, it's the who you knows. <laughs> it sounds weird saying that. Yeah, yeah. They're going to point you in the right direction of like, oh, what do you need to learn? Okay, I have someone so that can help yeah, you build yeah. a mastermind or someone that can help you build a podcast or whatever you're looking to do. It's those connections. And that's the most powerful thing that's helped my brand grow year after year. Yeah, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to that question. I ask a bunch of people and they always tell me different things, but that would be my opinion. Like you hit the nail on the head with that one is that the who have the what. So like the way that I look at it, this is the way that I try to explain it a lot is like, I imagine networking in the same way that like, if you go to an amusement park and 
your friends go get in line, but you got to hit the bathroom first. And then you hit the bathroom and then you come back and your friends are like 20 people up in line, right? So they go, hey, Drew, come up here, stand in line with us, right? Because you're our friend. So you get to walk past all those people that are standing in line because the people that you know have stood in the spots that those people have stood in, right? Yeah. So you can do it both ways, right? Like you can just go book after book after book, course after course after course, failure after failure after failure, and learn as much as you can and gain as much what as you possibly can. But that who is always going to exponentially increase that what every single time. That's how I kind of look at it is like, hey, you meet somebody that's already done what you want to do, that's already stood in those places in line already stepped those same steps, they can call you up and you can pass up all the people that are standing in line waiting to get to the point where you can like zoom up to. So that's 100% exactly agree with that. How do you become that broker? Is there a period of time? Is there an amount of knowledge? Is there an amount of connections before you know, like, okay, now it's time for me to go be a part of another community? Yeah. So this is where, you know, networking is sort of like medicine. It's a science and an art, right? This is where we sort of flip from, we know the science of structural holes. So now there's the fine art of knowing that. I would say for everybody, it's a little bit different feel. If you're on the edges of the community, then no, you can't just be the crazy guy screaming, I think we should talk to the other community. That's not going to work very well. <laughs> but if you're embedded to that, point where you start to feel like, okay, I'm hearing the same names all the time. I'm seeing everybody is listening to the same two or three people. Every time I meet someone, there's not that much sort of new information I'm getting from that person that the term again in network science is embeddedness. You get to this point where you're deep enough embedded in the community where people trust you, but also where you can be that bridge for them. And that's when it's time to start reaching out. And I think that's when, you know, masterminds like the one that you run are hugely important. It's time to start exploring the other connections you have, even connections that are sort of non-work related that let you stumble into other communities. I, I think you generally want to find you know, sort of one community at a time. You don't want to go out now. Okay, now I, I'm deeply embedded enough in the podcasting community. So now I'm going to learn everything about everything. That's not going to work either, right? But right. if you can start moving over into a little bit different community and find one you know want to know a bit more about, right? So podcasting, you mentioned, you know, John Lee Dumas and a couple other people. Well, that it sort of bridges up against the internet marketing and the direct marketing space. So mm -hmm. I need to get a little bit more penetrated in that. And maybe there's a, some value creation there. And, and in fact, actually, I'm thinking about an example in the book. We talk about, just to run with podcasting for a time, we talk about Gimlet, the podcasting company that runs Startup and a bunch of other shows that are good. But like I was talking with a few folks that are in the podcasting space that also have broker connections to the world of marketing that realize like they're missing these huge opportunities because their whole revenue model is based off of what an old radio model would be, which is make good content and sell ads on it. Instead of thinking, well, maybe you make good content and it's a lead generating tool and there's another revenue source on the back end or, or yeah. what have you. There's all of these different business models that that community, specifically Gimlet, doesn't see, right? Because they don't have enough of those connections. So they're probably a great example of that sort of redundant community, right? They're listening to all of the same people. They're hiring former public radio people, et cetera. When in reality, the couple of them should be seeing, okay, what are the spaces that butt up against this that are close to it, but aren't the same thing? And what are the good ideas that we can steal and migrate over? And my, you know, my first book was actually on creativity and innovation. And this is what you find. Almost every disruptive innovation in an industry is basically stolen from one industry and brought over to another. Well, how do you think that happens? It happens because brokers are spanning that structural hole and bringing that idea over. Yeah, man, this is why I love these conversations because like, I feel that I'm, I'm just a curious person in general, David. So like, 
I'll just test things out and then come up with my own little theories. But I have no idea if it's actual <laughs> truth. You know what I mean? So like everything that we're talking about is stuff that like I've been thinking about and talking about on my show and all these different spaces and in my mastermind and stuff. I just never been able to actually like prove that what I'm saying is accurate. It's like, look, this is my experience. You know, I've found this to be true. And, and so it's it's good knowing that I'm not just a crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad I could write the manual that explains it. I mean, truthfully, this is one of my struggles in the book was that very few people that I wrote about were even aware of this stuff. I'm just finding examples from people, Jordan's in the book and, and a few others that are in line with the research, despite not knowing what the research says. My favorite example is actually, I wrote about Tim Ferriss and what he calls the surround sound effect that is actually a very, very established thing in the world of network science called the illusion of majority, right? So there's this network science principle, and here's this other person that's this great example of it. They don't know, but then I'm trying to be that broker, right? So you're another one. I just secretly wish that you and I had connected while I was still writing the book so we could put your story and your ideas in it. But hey, oh, man, next one, next one. There's always another book. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. So talk to me about this idea of super connectors, because this is something that's, that's that's really fascinating to me. Is this the person that bridges the gap between the communities, this person that fills that structural hole, or is this like a totally separate concept? So sometimes but not always, right? That's the lesson of Kevin Bacon is you don't actually have to be the most connected person to be a bridge. Anybody can be. Super connectors are more likely to be one. So a super connector in a network science terminology, this is a term that interestingly enough migrated from the world of science to the world of the sort of networking advice books, but got misinterpreted and is often referred to as that person that is the linchpin of the community. That can be true. It's also not true. In general, in network science, we use the term super connector to refer to anyone that has a disproportionate number of connections. So we tend to think when you think about your network, you tend to think of like, okay, here's mine and it's above average or it's below average, but average, even using the term average implies the fancy term is a normative distribution, right? An inverted U if we were to graph the number of connections that every person, every listener to this show has. When I say average, people think that it's an inverted U. In reality, it's actually a power law. It's a Pareto principle. It's an 80-20. There are certain people that have exponentially more connections than other people. We call those people super connectors. And the real lesson of super connectors isn't that they connect a community. The real lesson of it is that these are literally the people when you look to networking and try and, and even build your own network, these are the people that you get frustrated looking at a lot of times because you go, oh, it looks so easy to them. Well, it is easy to them. It's easy to them because the more connections you have, the more you leverage another network science principle called preferential attachment. And what preferential attachment says is that the most connected people in a community are the ones who are most likely to meet new people. The more connections you have, the more potential introductions you have. And so when new people enter that network, that community, you're the person that they're most likely to meet. So it's almost like a compound interest effect. If you're thinking about growing your network and you're going, oh, it's so hard and these other people, it seems so easy. It's easy to them because they put in the time, they put in the work, and now they're reaping the compound interest. So yeah. yes, there are people that make networking look easy. The good news is that if you put in the time and you put in the work, you'll be one of those people one day too. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers 
agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Right. They were rolling the ball up the hill for the first half. You know what I mean? Like Right. And now it's all downhill and it's accumulating extra snow, right? And it's just yeah. massive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So this whole concept, man, is so cool to me. So if you're sitting out there and this is something that you're like, man, I'm just not a good network. I'm not a good connector. I would think that most people when they first start are not very good at it anyway. And they tend to be the guy that shows up to the networking event and has like a thousand hot off the press business cards because he ran out of the thousand that he had <laughs> yeah, with, before with the last event. By, to print at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I know those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I call him networking Ned. He's <laughs> just a total stereotypical like networking dude bag that shows up and like chucks business cards at you, throws up an elevator pitch and then asks for business and moves on to the next person. What are some ways that we can tell that we are that person and how do we avoid being that person? So, I I mean, I'll be honest, if you're going to one of those events, you're that person, right? So (laughs) it it turns out in the research that these unstructured, and I'm very specifically talking about the unstructured network events, the the cocktail hour at the conference, right? The meetup that doesn't really have an agenda. These events are very, very useful for reconnecting with weak and dormant ties, people you already know, but you haven't seen it in a while. And in fact, that's what most people do. Despite wanting to go to these events and meet new people, most of us spend our time talking to other people we already know because of that right. lack of structure. Mm-hmm. So instead, what, what most people, if the goal is to meet new people, the research suggests you should be participating in something with more structure, what the researcher Brian Uzi calls a shared activity, something where there's a goal, there are stakes, right? So there you can actually fail in this goal. And there's something other than connecting with people to focus on, but that you need to work with other people to do. This is everything from volunteering for a nonprofit, doing like a charity race, right? Or building a home for Habitat for Humanity, or it can be like, we're going to have this problem solving session or we're all going to attend this workshop. In the book, I talk about now Pixar, the film company, and how they have a training and development department that runs classes that have, at first glance, nothing to do with the work of making movies. But people come together to learn and learning as a shared activity makes people who are like, you might be in security and you might work for the kitchen and you might be the chief marketing officer. And yet they all come together and get to know each other better because they're partaking in this shared activity. So it's a much better plan to seek out those shared activities. It also has the after effect of keeping you from being networking Ned. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the actor effect. Yeah, I really like that. So if you were to put together like the ultimate networking conference, David, where it's just like there's a lot of collaboration, there's networking with an agenda like you were talking about, what would that look like? Would it be some of like community activities or gamification of like what would that look like? Yes, I have to give a shout out here to someone that runs very close to the Ultimate Networking Conference, Jason Gaynor. Do you know Jason? I know of him, but I do not know him. We'll have to connect you with him because it's, again, he's my friend of a friend of a friend for you and we'll connect you to. But Jason runs an event called Mastermind Talks. And the event is about 150 people, half of whom were at the last one, half of whom are new, right? So there's a good mix of old and weak connections. The average day starts with an activity. You can sign up for, you know, everything from like yoga to, to trail running to meditation to a couple different activities that everybody can participate in. I mean, some people do choose to sleep in an extra hour, but it starts with an activity. The mornings you're usually all together in a talk or, a, you know, the normal sort of keynote that we're used to in conferences. The meals are all planned for and he rotates around who you sit with. The afternoons are these things he calls round tables. So based on shared interests, you come together for just, you know, brainstorming. It's That's the smaller mastermind thing. Then later in the afternoon, there are more more activities, trail running, skeet shooting, which apparently is the most popular one from last year's conference, but I didn't get to go to last year's conference. I'm a little sad about that. <laughs> and then again, dinner where it's sort of more planned out. So there's this moving back and forth between the content delivery and these shared activities. There's a, a specific curation to who gets to come and what the right balance of old and new connections is. And there's a, every attention to detail paid to even in what seems like an unstructured thing, like a dinner, let's make sure that there are still those kind of collisions. That would be sort of the closest thing to a perfect conference that I can see. He does it around entrepreneurship. There's a lot of people listening that are probably not in that space, which means that the business is wide open in your space to replicate a similar conference and pay attention to these details. Yeah, super cool. Super cool. That's actually something that I really want to try to create in the next couple of years is that I'm trying to soak in as much as I can as far as conferences and stuff, because I find that most conferences are content driven, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I feel like for me personally, and most of the people that I end up talking to, people go to conferences for the relationships, for the connections, for the networking, so to speak. And then like you said, like they'll have a, a speakers all day long and then they'll have like a cocktail party at the end and like that's it. And so I think there's a very, very high value to creating something where people can actually come together and collaborate, get to know each other, connect around things on purpose instead of just like, oh, so what do you do? Okay, cool. So what do you do? Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. This is what I do. Let's all exchange cards, move on to the next table type thing. Uh-huh. Right. No, I mean, the beauty of some conferences though, is that when that, that person, the networking Ned running around going, so what do you do is at least there's a speech you can pretend to be interested in and break yourself away from that conversation, right? But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. in terms of you know, what we're actually talking about. Oh, actually, about, I really wanted to hear this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll connect later, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. That brings me to a great question for you, man. This is a question I've been asking more people recently because it's fascinating to me. Do you have any tips for leaving a conversation that you are just fed up with? Not in a sense of like this person's adding no value, but this is a total networking Ned. How do I get out of here? So I actually, and this is again, sort of more art than science. I actually think that no matter what, whether you're intrigued or not, I think you should probably be the first person to break off the thing because then you can at least appear like you're being mindful of their time, right? Mm. So I always do it in a way that's like, Hey, you know, I know you've got a ton to do, et cetera, and we'll connect later. You know, we know what we need to connect on, et cetera. So I'll follow up with you later and then jet out. But I do it whether I'm trying to break away because I, I need to get somewhere else or whether I just know that like, I would love to spend even more time 
time with that person. But what they will value is that I'm caring about their calendar and how much time they have as well. So I try and be that person that breaks it off always, but that person that breaks it off with that mentality that, look, I know you've got a ton to do. I know you got other people to talk to at this event, et cetera. So here we trade info and here's mine and I will follow up with you. And then here's the key you actually do have to follow up. Even if you feel like, oh, that person is totally you know, useless, you have to at least send a great to chat with you, great to meet you at this event thing mm-hmm. so that you are being true to your word and authentic. And that person doesn't just be like, wow, that, that guy was a jerk and totally lied to me, right? But <laughs> he was I'm, just yeah, trying to get always, away from me, yeah. Yeah, I'm always being that first one to break off the conversation in a way that shows that I am being mindful of their time and how much they've already given me. And even though I want to talk more, I know they've got other things to do. What's your go-to way to connect with somebody? It's something like that. Like, is it, do you still print off business cards and hand it to them? Or is it just like, hey, let's connect on Facebook or here's my number? Or what does that look like? It depends. I'll usually, I try and ask for their card if they've got one. I mean, if they are that Ned person, then they've definitely got one. I usually yeah. don't. <laughs> they definitely have, have one and you probably already have it in your pocket. I probably already have it in my <laughs> hand, right? Exactly. I usually don't have a card on me, which is actually a flaw I've learned as I'm traveling more international, a flaw I'm learning because particularly in a lot of Asian cultures, the business card is a ritual. Right. Mm-hmm. So I truthfully need to get better at having mine in particular, but I generally ask for their card. And even if they say, Hey, you know, can I have a card? I'll say, you know what? I don't have one on me, but give me one of yours and I'll shoot you an email, you know, tonight or tomorrow, et cetera. So I generally go that way of asking for their information. Everybody's got different rules on social media. And so it's, it's hard to know, like, it's hard to say, let's connect on this because this might not even be something they're on. And even if they are like Facebook for me is very much about like friends and family and people I'm comfortable seeing pictures of my kids playing in the backyard, right? It's not a place for that person I just met at the conference. For me, that's my rule and everybody else has different rules. So I'm usually trying to get their card and follow up with them and usually via email afterwards, although occasionally might go to a text message or LinkedIn or a messenger or something like that. Just depends on the relationship. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's typically my answer too. When people ask me that, it's like, you kind of just need to play it by ear with the person that you're connecting with. Most of the time for me, it's connecting on Facebook, especially if it's anybody that's like around the millennial generation. I typically find that people that are more baby boomers, like a little bit older, just like you said, it's the ritual, the business card. Like that's just the thing that, that you give. And, and they actually might even look at you as not being as professional because you don't have a business card. Like it's just a huge legitimacy factor that brings to the table. So I have them, I print them, I have like, I don't know, a hundred of them. Like I, I don't print off them by the thousands because I don't hand them out like candy, but I'll have a few in my pocket at an event typically in case somebody's like, hey, you have a business card? And it's like, oh, well, we can connect on Facebook. Well, I'm not on Facebook. Okay, here's a card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so taking this conversation now, talking about the fact that you obviously were very, very competent in your skill set enough to be able to get in front of the people that you've got in front of. Can you tell us a story about how a person that you may have met connected you to somebody, to somebody, to somebody that led you to this big opportunity that traces back to the fact that you knew your stuff going into that first relationship? Yeah. I'm trying to kind of reverse engineer. I think these things happen all the time every day without realizing it. And it's, I don't really even think of it as networking. That word can be, you know, the connotation when I hear it, I think of, yeah, small talk, having cocktails somewhere Mm -hmm. with people that I don't know. And it kind of turns me off. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But if you think about it in terms of just being authentic and connecting with people for the reason of genuinely being interested in what they're doing Mm -hmm. and them 
vice versa interested in you. Yeah, what you just said, and I'll kind of say something here and give you a second to think about a good story. But what you just said is exactly what we try to do on this show. Take the word networking and strip away all the negative things that you think about it and replace it with words like what you just said, like building relationships, making friendships and doing basically just meeting people and being a normal person and not having this hidden agenda like five years step you know, five year, 10 step plan to eventually monetize this relationship further down the road and stuff. It's just all about just caring, being genuine, meeting people, growing friendships and building actual relationships. And you heard it just now from one of the best. I mean, this girl's, she's interviewed the best of the best on her podcast. She's gotten in front of so many awesome people. And it's not because she's got 3000 business cards in her back pocket and goes to networking events. It's because she's focused on creating real genuine connection and real genuine friendships and relationships with people. And that's what it's all about. It's not about the business cards and the cocktails and chatting about nothing and small talk and stuff like that. So fantastic insight there, Amy Jo. Oh, thank you. I have my story, but before I tell you the story, can I, would you like to hear something really quickly that's highly relevant to that? Of course. <laughs> okay. I don't want to assume you do. So we just had the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And I was invited to a Super Bowl party in Minneapolis. And it was going, it's a big charity event with a lot of, I call them fancy people. I'm from Wyoming. So I, the fancy people is kind of what I call them, although they're just <laughs> like everybody else, yeah, what I've, right. I've learned. And I was going to go with a friend and who I was advising for. And we didn't end up going intentionally. It was kind of a last minute decision. Part of the reason why we didn't go, she's not a great networker, but she's an amazing entrepreneur. And she's like, but you're such a good networker. You can help, you know, the yeah. head of so-and-so is going to be there. And like Jamie Foxx was hosting it. Shaquille O'Neal was DJing it. And I said to her, actually, I'm not a good networker in that scenario. You know, I'll end up talking to the same person for hours (laughs) because I like to go deep in terms of conversation and I end up not meeting anyone else. So I am not, in terms of the traditional definition, I don't Mm -hmm. consider myself a great networker at all. So there's just a little caveat, by the way. Would you be, would you consider yourself to be an introvert? You know, I think I'm, it's all about the scenario and environment. It's energy sa- that, and that definition kind of yeah. sounded like more introverted to me because that's exactly how I am. I'm pretty introverted, which is kind of ironic that I host a show about meeting people. Uh, yeah, and that's, we that's, tend to bucket ourselves. And I don't right. know if mm-hmm. every, you know, yeah. if everyone is just one or the other. I think there are yeah. times where I'm very much of an extrovert, and there are other times I recharge and get more energy by being. Alone. On my own, yeah. usually. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I'm the same exact yeah. way. Because exactly what you said, <laughs> that's how I would describe my networking, quote unquote, networking event experiences. It's just like, all I'm talking to one person the first day, and then I'll just look for that person like the next three days. Because like, oh, I already built a friendship with that person. Like, I know who that is yeah. now. So I don't want to do this again, <laughs> you know? But well, yeah, super especially fun. <laughs> in those types of situations, and especially having worked a bit in the entertainment field and been around that kind of Hollywood scene a bit. Mm -hmm. Usually at those parties, people aren't focused and being present. They're looking over your shoulder to see who else is there, who they might want to go meet. So it's just (laughs) kind of funny. You know, it's just a show, but there's also fun to it if you're like into that or whatever. So my story. (laughs) So yeah. So (laughs) anyway, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Story. Okay. Women dressed up with feathers in a pool at this party that I was supposed to go to. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you've got that going for you. <laughs> That's your oh, thing. man. That's um, funny. Which is me, is art. So, okay, my story. 
there was a moment when I was working for the Phoenix Suns in the NBA and I had been experimenting with social media. I didn't know what I was doing. It was just new and I was kind of playing. And I reached a roadblock within the front office because there weren't any rules for social media yet. And I had been helping Shaquille O'Neal and I had, you know, of course, been doing it on my own. And I was in charge of direct, or I think it was called Director of Digital New Media and Research. It's called okay. New Media back because it was so new. Mm-hmm. And right. I wasn't sure what to do as far as convincing HR and senior leadership that this was a good idea and that we need to be open to the space. So I Googled companies. I just kind of Googled companies that are using Twitter. And I found this company called Zappos. I had never heard of Zappos and I had never purchased anything, of course, but I found them. And then I found this guy who ran Zappos and he's the CEO and his name's Tony Shea. And I found out that he had encouraged all of his employees to be on Twitter. And this was at the time, maybe 2008. Oh, wow. And so I thought, I'll reach out to this guy. I had no idea who he was. All I wanted was, hey, do you have a policy for this, a social Mm -hmm. media policy? Right. So I direct messaged him on Twitter. And two weeks after I said, hey, do you have a social media policy for Zappos? He wrote back, be real and use your best judgment, period. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's a man of a few words two (laughs) weeks later. I was like, okay, well, so I actually did take that to HR and to leadership and said, hey, this is what the Zappos guy is saying. And then he DM'd me not too long after that and said, hey, I noticed you're in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm going to be there giving a talk. Would you want to come? Mm-hmm. He hadn't even written his book at that point, Delivering Happiness. And oh, so wow. I was like, or he's just getting started. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Long story short, fast forward, Travis, he became a mentor, a friend, first a friend, then a mentor, then That's an investor. Awesome. Of mine. Wow. And to back to your question, I think, well, who introduced me to him? Well, it was social media, but then you kind of can go all the way back down the rabbit hole of who helped me get the job at the Suns or why did I get it? And right, then, right. So it's kind of a fun thing to do sometimes with connections in your life mm-hmm. and follow them all the way back. Of like, well, who introduced me to them? Well, then right. how did I meet mm-hmm. them? And, and you start to notice patterns in your choice of, of networking, I guess, your, yeah. your path and Go back system. and examine the butterfly effect, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. It's kind of fun, actually. Yeah, yeah, really cool, really cool. That's such a fantastic story and a really great mentor to have as well. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show because they're literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is something that you are interested in at all, then hit me up and let's chat to see if you'd be a good fit for my mastermind, Build Your Network Dynasty. Just head over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to fill out an application and we'll talk soon. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.